Welcome to Weigh-In Sports Talk. Today is Wednesday, October 9th. Before we get started, here are a few reminders. We would love to hear from you, and here are several ways to weigh in. Call us at 646-716-5564 or join us in the chat room by listening online at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Tarvino or follow us on Twitter at Weigh in Sports. Now here's your host, Brian Tarvin, and co-host, Trey Patterson. Let's weigh in. Thank you, Michelle, for the intro, and welcome, everyone, to a live edition of Weigh In Sports Talk. We hated we had to miss Sunday night, but all that matters is we are here tonight, and and I don't know about you, Trey, but last weekend of football was so exciting. I just hated we couldn't do the show Sunday, but but family comes first. <clears throat> yeah, man, and uh, it was a good weekend of college football, and the NFL had some surprises as well last week, Tarvin, so we did miss some stuff. Um, but there's still, you know, a lot to talk about even even going forward from Sunday uh, in the NFL and college, Tarvin. So, you know, a lot to cover tonight. Uh, so where do you want to start off, bud? Well, I want to go backward just a little bit. We're going to fly. Well, I mean, we're going to go fast. We're going to cover a lot of information in an hour and a half. So buckle up, get ready. But let's just go back to last weekend. Just so many, so many games. The first game I want to talk about, we're going to talk a couple, that's all. Tennessee at home against Georgia Saturday. These Tennessee volunteers, Trey, really played with some heart, some passion. They almost won the game. They fumbled the ball uh, into the end zone for a touchback that really sealed the deal. But what do you think of the Tennessee volunteers' performance on Saturday? Well, I think you have to be insanely impressed by what they were able to do against Georgia. Now, I think I've seen people who talked about Georgia's injuries in the game. They talked about uh, that kind of stuff, Tarvin. But there's really nothing that you can put on. I mean, Georgia's a deep team, and Tennessee uh, played very well. They were very well coached in the game. I thought the game was well called uh, on the offensive game plan. I thought, you know, the Worley had a really good uh, progressive game. They really called a good you know, good game plan for him. Uh, and, you know, in, in Georgia's injuries aren't an excuse, Tarvin. I mean, Tennessee played very well. Yeah, I mean, injuries happen in every game. I mean, I think Tennessee was in the game before the injuries, too, so it's not like they were getting beat by three touchdowns and then the injuries happened. Uh, the defense played well. The quarterback, as the game went on, started developing confidence. Georgia's in trouble, Trey, if they're not careful. I mean, they might have won the battle the other day, but they, they could lose the war because this season's not over. They they play an undefeated Missouri team, and we'll talk about that. They play Florida. They play Auburn. They have to play the SEC championship if they make it that far. So, with these players being out, Trey, just real quick, what do you think their chances are of winning the East? Well, I think, to be honest, I, mean, I think the, the East, I think the favorite is now going to be different. I mean, I think Georgia is going to have a real problem holding on and only losing that one game all year. Or I think, uh, you know, for the other time, I think Florida's improving. I think they're get, you know, that qu- the quarterback play is something they can progress on. And I think that, um, also, you know, I'm not I'm not so sure. Even with you know all the clowny issues that South Carolina's having, that they're not a ball club who's poised to make a run as well in the East, even though they lost to Georgia. So, turn, I don't think this is a, that Georgia's going to run away with this at all. And I think with the injuries, even before that, I was I wasn't so sure on Georgia's ability to win this. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at Florida now. I, I see they do play defense, and I I give them that. But their quarterback play seems to be improving week to week, so if Muschamp doesn't choke it away, I mean, 
Florida could win this division and, and play in the SEC championship, not like it's going to matter. I mean, the winner of the West, whether it be LSU, Bama, or Texas A&M, is going to win that game. I mean, it's not even going to be a game, really. Whoever comes out of the West, I think it's going to be either LSU or Bama. Probably Bama is not going to play around this year in the SEC championship game. I, I really think they'll they'll take care of business. And the next game, before we move on to this week, I want to talk about is Stanford and Washington. That game was played Saturday evening and Trey, I don't know about you, but it was a it was a good game with a controversial ending and I just wanted your thoughts real quick first about the the play that was ruled a catch on the field but overturned and ruled an incomplete pass. Um, and it was not conclusive evidence really. I don't know how they did that. And also what do you think about Sarkeesian calling out Stanford for faking injuries? Well, I mean, I'll disagree with you, Tarvin. I think I think it was pretty clear. I go on the other end of that, and I think that, you know, this was one of those moments. I think the refs got – it was eventually called correctly. I thought it was incorrect on the field when I saw it. Uh, I thought the evidence was pretty clear. Um, you know, I know, diff- you know people have di- differed, obviously, uh, you know, on Twitter, message boards, and across college football. But to me, Tarvin, I thought it was a pretty clear. I thought it was a fair result. I've been talking about, you know, missed plays and missed calls. It wasn't one of those, uh, but you know, Sarkeesian calling out Stanford like that. I'm not sure I saw that in the game, Tarvin. I mean, I didn't, I didn't see a lot of plays that I thought, you know, faking injuries and that kind of stuff. It wasn't as if, you know, we, we've seen in the past where three guys go down because they can't figure out who is supposed to do it. Uh, I didn't see stuff like that, Tarvin. I, I, I mean, did you see that kind of uh, stuff that should be called out? Well, first of all, you don't accuse Stanford of cheating. I mean, I, I think that was. I think that was wrong, him coming out naming the coaches on the staff of Stanford that was cheating. Uh, look, Stanford's one of the programs, one of the two or three that's never been accused of any cheating. I mean, these guys, I mean, are just amazing in the classroom, off the field. And to, to accuse them of cheating, I think unless you have proof, unless you know for sure, you don't say anything. I, I just don't like Sarkeesian saying that. He looks like he's a sore loser, really, Trey, and he he was coach, he coached with Pete Carroll and Lane Kiffin a lot, so maybe he comes by it naturally and honestly. Well, I mean, I agree with you. I didn't see it. I, I didn't like what he did. Uh, one, I think that when you have um, this kind of game, and then for Washington, you have just as big a game the next week, Tarvin, I think to come out so bitter and almost just so uh, indignant with the way the game went down, I think it comes across to me that I wonder if they're focused this week against Oregon. Well, they better be focused or they'll get 70 put on them. Uh, I, I just think Shaw's a classy coach, and I like Shaw's response. I don't know if you got to hear Shaw. He came out and, and you know, he, he refuted what Sarkeesian said, but he said it's kind of hard to accuse us of cheating when you have a coach on your staff that's been accused of cheating. So, I just thought that was a, a good shot. By, and he said he had proof of it. So there are there is proof that this coach has cheated in the past. So he's not making up something. He's giving facts. But Shaw's a class act. And, and look, it's a part of the game, slowing him down. I mean, people cramp up anyway. It's kind of hard to prove. But, Trey, I don't care what anybody says. Every team that's playing a, a hurry-up team will do it at some time. It's smart. It's, it's not Bush League. It's, it's a strategy. And as long as it's tolerated, and accepted in the rules and by the referees. I mean, you can't really call it cheating, can you? Well, I, mean, I don't think it's a good. I don't. I don't think it's a fair strategy. I mean, I think that yeah, some people do it. There's no doubt about it. Enough players 
have come forward and said, hey, this happens, and it's a legitimate strategy that is employed in coaching both at the college and NFL level. So you're right. It's a, it's a legitimate strategy. I don't think that one coach coming out and saying uh, that, you know, it's a cheating strategy when they probably have done it in the past themselves. So, you know, Tarvin, I look at it as, yeah. as if, you know, they're playing by the same field that everybody else is playing on. I, I don't think, I don't like it, Tarvin, um, but if they're all doing it, it's not cheating. Yeah, it's not cheating. It's strategy. And, I mean, look, cramps happen. These players give 110% every play, and they do go down. And, and, and it's just it's, – it's been accused, and people have done it so much now that everybody – I even do it. If, if somebody's getting in a no huddle and they're moving the ball, get a couple of first downs, and all of a sudden you see a lineman fall down, that's the first thing that goes to my mind. It doesn't mean it's true. It's just what I think. But anyway, I, I appreciate Shaw coming out and calling out Sarkeesian for doing that, said it wasn't classy – uh, for him to call out a name of a coach. So kudos to Stanford. Big win for them. They'll be tested, um, especially when it comes to, to Oregon. So I'm excited to see when that game happens in a couple of weeks. But, Trey, let's move on. Uh, college football, just wanted the, co- the committee is going to be chosen before the season ending this year. So we're going to know 13 panel members. It looks like they've already named them out there. And one of the controversial names, Condoleezza Rice, I don't know your thoughts of, of her on the panel. just want to hear them real quick. Well, yeah, I'm not opposed to it. It's an interesting pick. I mean, you're talking about, to me, Tarvin and I look at it, and what I don't like about or what I wouldn't want to see or don't want to see is a bunch of people who are clearly repping a certain college or a certain conference. Uh, I think it's interesting, like when you saw some of Gene Stallings' comments, I mean, you're talking about a biased guy. You know, I think he clearly was fishing to be on the committee himself. Um, and who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe he will. I haven't seen all the thirteen names, but to me, Tarvin, that's the kind of person I don't want. I, I, you know, if Rice can be the secretary of the state of this country, Tarvin, I think she could probably handle picking four teams to play for a a playoff. It seems, you know, it, it seems pretty lower threat than some of the decisions she was involved in when she was in the you know the head of the government. So uh, she is a football fan. For those who don't know, you know, her sporting history. Um, but, you know, here's the thing, Tarvin. She's handled a bunch of bigger decisions. I think she can look at this stuff fairly and come up with a with a good uh, non-biased opinion. Well, I want to I not so fast you on the uh, Gene Stallings comment. I, I think Gene Stallings would be uh, impartial, Trey. I don't, I don't think he would put a team in there if they didn't deserve it. He's old school. He's just uh, what you see is what you get kind of guy. Now, Pat Dye, on the other hand, now I could see him trying to – to fix the voting or something. I'm an Auburn guy myself, but I'm telling you, Pat Dye has no Gene Stallings when it comes to integrity. <laughs> so I think Gene would be great on the panel, but I do have a problem with, like you said, you have Barry Alvarez. His name's on there. He looks like he's crooked. Um, Tom Osborne, he's all Cornhuskers, whatever. So, I mean, do you have a problem with him being on there, Tom Osborne? And and I guess if you you must have a problem with it if you have a problem with Gene Stallings being on you know, I, I'm just, the coaches who wrap a school and who have you know, clear uh, straight allegiances, I, I think it is an issue. I mean, you, you do uh, you do worry that if it comes down to it, they're going to be completely biased. I mean, I just don't – I don't think that's great for college football. Well, what about Condoleezza Rice graduated from Stanford? And I know she's an Alabama fan, too, being from Alabama. I mean, do you see that being a problem? 
I mean, anybody no, on the committee graduated from a certain school, so. Yeah, there's a difference in graduating from a certain school and, and being like Rice, who's lived all over the country, who's who's attended multiple universities. I mean, uh, what do you think she's going to do at Stanford and Alabama? I mean, you think she's really, I mean, it's going to be difficult, uh, you know, for her to, 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 to claim one place or the other. I mean, she was raised in Alabama. Yeah, so it's hard, and I'm looking at this, and, yeah, people graduated from certain schools, but there's a difference in, you know, like for an instance, a head coach who coached there for, you know, years and won a national championship may have, you know, be in their Hall of Fame uh, for the school. I mean, there's certain things that, that tie you to a school much differently than simply have gone there. Yeah, I mean, look, and, and Pat Dye made the comment, you know, about Condoleezza Rice is, and I think Pollock did too, David Pollock from ESPN was talking about they need to be have played football or coached it or something or have a knowledge of the game like that. So if if that's a criteria, I mean, you never coached it. I never coached football, and a lot of people haven't. I mean, if you use that criteria, then you're going to have problems too because everybody is, is you know, allegiant to a school, and I just don't see a way of getting around having her on the panel in a way. I, I would trust her over over some of the other, the Barry Alvarez's of the world and some of these guys. But this committee was put together for one reason, and I'm going to tell you the only reason it's put together to keep the SEC from playing against each other in a national championship. And when I, when I say that is this panel, when you have one through four, if you will not see two SEC teams in that final four not playing each other. And I guarantee you that. You can, you can quote me on that, anybody out there. You will never see, again, two SEC teams play for the national championship. This committee, Trey, uh, will not allow it. Well, I, mean, I don't buy into that kind of conspiracy theory because you're going to have four teams, and let's be honest, right now uh, two teams in the SEC are going to make it uh, if they keep playing the level they have in the past years. I mean, it's going to be hard to keep out uh, you know, two SEC teams. So I, I think to make that statement, I mean, there's no, I just don't think there's any way that right now the SEC wouldn't get two teams of the four in. Now this year, I mean, this could be different. We could have no in four, it, in it's fine, but, but playing each other in it. I mean, in the first round, you'll see like an SEC team one, and then all of a sudden that last week, you'll see an SEC team move from three to four, just to make sure they play each other in the semifinal. I think two will get in almost every year, probably. Well, I mean, I think when you're talking about seating, I mean, I, I don't know. Again, I, I don't buy into that. Uh, I think the seating you could have. Uh, you know, if you have an, an undefeated team, and, you know, with with an SEC undefeated, you're not going to see um, probably a one loss SEC team jump on an undefeated Pac-12 team for the two seed. I mean, yeah, but I mean, I think we're getting down way too far at this point to really be able to predict that kind of thing. But I, I still think when I look at this, who I know of the panel, and I haven't seen all the names. Um, I don't, I don't see that part. You know, another name I'll throw out there that I think would be good: Bill Clinton. Uh, I think he'd be a great panelist. What do you think? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and not throw fast to you there, my friend. I, I don't see Bill Clinton as somebody, uh, while he is certainly, um, you know, a politician, uh, you know, I think he's one of the people who could easily be influenced by others. Oh, now, not Bill. I mean, I, I'm serious when I say that. And here's something, a question to the chat room, everybody listening out here. What would you think of me being on the committee, track? <laughs> I mean, Carvin, I mean, I, I would say that, uh, you know, we'll put Pat Dye on there, buddy. 
it'd be a seven and five Auburn team slip up to number four all of a sudden. They're <laughs> they're in the semifinals automatically, right? Every year. <laughs> I would see that. I would see that. <laughs> and then you'll have a, a thirteen and zero Florida State team, uh, and I'll leave them at number five. I'll push them down to make sure Trey's not not ever getting any love. So. Yeah, I mean, I, this committee, nobody's going to be happy with it. And it's, I think I don't mind the BCS right now, honestly. The only problem with the BCS is sometimes you have more than two great teams. But I like the BCS. It's worked every year, but maybe one or two. Uh, I see no problem with it because at the end of the year, Trey, it, it come, it's right. The BCS is built to put the top two teams into the championship game, and that's what it does. And I really don't see a problem with it. The only problem I see was when LSU and Alabama played – in the national championship, that's when this change occurred. So I guess that's what it took to to get some change around here. Well, I mean, I, I don't. I don't think there's any way you can say that the number one and number two team have always played each other. If you go through the history of the BCS, I think it's pretty obvious there's some teams who probably were much better uh, than some two teams in there who ended up making it. And some of the, the outcomes in the national championship game have showed that. So, yeah, I, I think saying that you know the BCS is better than any kind of playoff, Tarvin, I don't. I don't think that's. Uh, I don't think that's a. I wouldn't. I wouldn't back that statement, Tarvin, at all. Well, you need to back it because it's true. And and there there is an occasion <laughs> when it happens, Trey, <laughs> that you know the team with one loss that lost early in the season is very hot and they're playing better football than the maybe the one or two team. But the, like in 2004, USC and Oklahoma started one and two and they finished there. Auburn started at 21 and they pushed their way up. But at the end of the day. I mean, the BCS took the top two teams they saw fit, and even though it hurt some people's feelings, they they probably got the right two teams in there. Um, but they're sure there's years like Texas A&M last year, where two losses could have been in a, a top fourteen playoff and probably won the thing. You never know. Uh, but nobody's going to be happy. That's what I'm trying to point out. Nobody is going to be happy with the committee selected. It's nobody's. Everybody's going to have a beef with it. You you will, I will. If, if at some point in time, everybody on there is going to be questioned. But, Trey, I don't believe they're getting paid, are they? Yeah, actually, Steve, I don't know actually any about getting paid. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, I find it hard to believe they wouldn't get some kind of compensation, but maybe they don't. Yeah, I guess getting death threats is their reward uh, for whoever – I mean, this is going to be a lot of scrutiny these guys will be under. So it'll be interesting. And one thing I, I saw interesting in it, we're about to move off this topic, is, you know, at the BCS, once it starts, it, it updates weekly and it goes through. Well, they're not going to meet but maybe three times possibly. So we won't know what's happening for three or four weeks, and then all of a sudden they'll come out with the rankings. I don't like that. I want to know every week where they stand. Well, I mean – you don't know in basketball. You don't know in baseball. I think there's nothing wrong with being the end of the year. Yeah. Well, we're going to move off the college football, guys, and and we're going to move to something a little more exciting, but we're going to get to the NFL for this week. Last week, some great games, and I don't know about y'all, but the Denver game and the Dallas game was amazing. I remember talking to Sonia Jason about it while it was going on. Tony Romo actually played the game of his life, and something happened at the end of the game. I mean, he, he realized during the in, in that fourth quarter who he really was, and he threw a pick to put Denver in field goal range. But a lot of people are just bashing Tony Romo right now, and, and I have an issue with that because this guy came out and threw 500 yards against a very good Denver team, 
And this was the game of the year so far. Denver edged them out in a field goal. But, Trey, Tony Romo, to me, I mean, deserved the game ball for what he did. I mean, if I'm going to blame anybody for this loss, it's that terrible Dallas defense and probably Jason Garrett. Well, Carvin, I mean, I just want to make a point, too, and for all the, um, you know, Romo bashers and everything that, that came out of this, you know, Peyton Manning threw a pick in that and had less yards in this game. Um, you know, and, and you talk about Romo in that pick. He was hit. He had players coming in his face. You know, he, he, he made a pass. It wasn't necessarily a bad pass. A defender made a spectacular interception. I mean, it was a really good interception from a defense player. So it wasn't as if, you know, this is Romo in, in a really bad decision, throwing off his back foot because, you know, he didn't step into it when he could have. I mean, this was just the kind of interception that actually happens to good quarterbacks. Romo had an incredible game. He's actually, if you look at his numbers, it, it really there's three quarterbacks in this year who are putting up this kind of numbers. It's Philip Rivers, Peyton Manning, who's far above everybody, and, and Tony Romo. Um, he's having an incredible season, Carvin, so I don't put that loss on him. I mean, you're talking mm-hmm. about Des Bryant fumbled in that game. I mean, there were some other big issues that happened. It just happens that, you know, the quarterback gets all the hate. But I will say this. Peyton Manning is a machine. I mean, this quarter, I don't know, maybe I need to go have neck surgery or something, but, I mean, he comes out, and last year was a tune-up year for him, which was he did amazing, by the way, but this year, man, he looks unstoppable. He looks focused. But the key to beating Denver, Dallas, if you're listening, you have to get to Manning, knock him down, make him uncomfortable. You're making life easy for him. But Peyton Manning showed why he is the top quarterback in the NFL. But, I'm going to get Sonia on here real quick, or Jason. One of them's on here, and I want to get their opinion on this Dallas-Denver game from last week before we move on to this current week. What's up, Tarvin? Hey, Trey. Trey's on mute right now. Trey's on mute right now. Oh, okay. What's up, Tarvin? Hey, Tarvin. When we were watching, when you called us and we were watching the game, what did I say? I was like, I don't care who, what anybody says. That is not Tony Romo on that field. That was either Brett Favre or Troy Aikman in a Mission Impossible mask because Tony (laughs) Romo does not play like that. (laughs) He showed up. He showed up, you know, at the the end of the game as he usually does. And I was like, welcome back, Romo. That's the real Romo. But he did. He played well. I'll give him him credit. But the thing is. Do you blame him for the loss? Yeah, I blame him him for the loss. loss. I I said it in the chat room. The same way a quarterback gets credit for a win, then guess what? You have to take responsibility for the losses. Carmen, you do not throw that pass. Ever. <laughs> it's like, dude, seriously, come on now. How long have you been in the NFL? And the difference in Peyton Manning throwing an interception and Tony Romo throwing an interception is Peyton Manning is freaking Peyton Manning, Okay. The man is awesome. He is kicking butt all over the NFL right now. Tony Romo, besides, thank God that Mark Sanchez, you know, did what he did so he's not the joke of the NFL, but there's no way that anybody could say that Tony Romo is consistently a producing quarterback. He's not. He has spurts. And the one thing that he does is what my beloved Falcons do and what they did this week is he chokes. That's just the bottom line. But it was a good game. It was a good game. 
But, but can, can, can you say without Tony Romo's performance in that game that it probably been beat by 30? Oh, yeah. And that's what I mean. He contributed. Tarvin, over 1,000 yards in passing that game. 1,000 <laughs> yards. That's just amazing. Yeah. That's, it was that's fun just to watch. Something, that's just something when you watch it, you just wonder – you know, when I came into the season, I knew Dallas was going to have a good offense, but I thought their defense would be better. What happened? Did Rex Ryan, or what's his name, Rob Ryan, or whatever his brother's name is that got fired as Dallas' the defensive coordinator is in New Orleans now looking like a world-beater coach. So did did Jason Garrett and Dallas make the wrong move by firing uh, Ryan as their defensive coordinator? No, everything happens for a reason. That dude belongs in New Orleans, man. He's He's a beast. I, New Orleans is going to be fun to watch. Yeah, Dallas is uh, – it's so hard. It's, uh, Dallas is almost in the same boat we are because they will see every Sunday, they will see spurts of greatness, and they will see their team like, oh, my God, we're going to beat Denver. And before you can blink an eye, all it takes is one play, and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, nah, <laughs> There they go. There's the ones I'm used to. <laughs> Every quarterback's going to have that one mistake, and it can happen any time during the game, but for Romo, it's always oh at the end. Always. Just like always. the Falcons. Always. So St. Heimlich, the patron, the patron saint of choke artists, has been spending a lot of time in Cleveland, Jacksonville, Atlanta, Pittsburgh, and New York. I need him to really, really stay away from Atlanta because he's jinxing all of our teams now. I mean, think about this, Tarvin. Geno, Geno Smith led a game-winning drive to win the game for the Jets. Geno Smith. And Tony Romo can't. So that's our story. We're sticking to it. Yeah, that's a that's a good point, guys. Thanks for tuning in and uh, calling in and joining us. And that's Sonia Minson and Jason Minson. Trey, uh, anything you want to comment before we move on? No, I, mean, I just completely disagree with them. You know, I'm, they're great to have them on the show again. Welcome back. But you guys are wrong. That's all there is to it, man. Romo had uh, was like 50 yards away from breaking the NFL record in passing yards. If you watch the game, he was incredible. Uh, you know, I just don't think that you can knock him for that pass, man. It was a great interception by a defensive player, uh, and he had an offensive lineman who got back into him as he threw. So, you know, I mean, those things kind of things happen. Uh, it wasn't a bad pass. I don't think so. I mean, obviously you'd take it back if you could, but Romo had an incredible game, man, and I don't think that he lost that game. I mean, Des Bryant doesn't tumble earlier in that game. We got a different story. I mean, there's mistakes that were made by other players uh, that, that changed the outcome of that game. So, uh, talk about, you know, it's, Obviously, unfortunate for Romo, but, you know, I think we're having a different kind of season. Uh, we'll have to see how he does in December, though, but uh, he's having a better season. Well, I'm still staying with my pick. Dallas went in the East, Trey, and it's not a ballsy pick now because nobody in the East can win besides Dallas. So, hey, I like my pick, and everybody made fun of me for picking Dallas to win the East, but I'm still sticking to it. And, Trey, this, this week of football in the NFL is not as – Big as last week. I know there's one game that I'm really looking at. You picked five, and I know it was hard. Their number five game, the Rams at Texans. Real quick, we won't stay long about Matt Schaub. I mean, my question to you is, how long does he stay quarterback at Houston? 
the rumors are out there that they're wanting Cam Newton in Houston. Do you think they can pull that trade off? Uh, trade, probably not. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. You know, you, you hear this kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, I'm not I'm not so sold that you know, Newton would be all that all that better, to be honest. I mean, he's not having the greatest couple of years. Um, but, you know, Schaub, I think, is, is they need a better quarterback for sure. Newton would be an upgrade if they could get him. But they can't trade a lot of way to, to get him if they were going to do that, Tarvin. So, I mean, it's kind of a right. tough deal for, for Texans. Right. But I'll tell you this, Are you serious? Man, Trey, Trey, you're off your game tonight, man. You're off your game, <laughs> no. dude. <laughs> no, man, you can't tell me that Newton hasn't been a disappointment this year as well as last year. Um, but there are 17 quarterbacks who are going to come out of this class, Tarvin, underclassmen and uh, seniors of this college football who are going to be drafted or have draftable grades. So, I mean, I think you replace uh, Shaw in the draft. I think there's going to be plenty of talented guys. Uh, I don't think you trade for a player like Newton when it's going to be way too high of a value. Well, Cam Newton has disappointed this year, and it's not just him. I mean, in the last two years, 12 of their 16 losses, he gave his defense a chance to hold them and win the game and to hold them off, but they failed. But Cam, the problem with him this year is they're not running the football with him. Shula's not getting him in the zone read, giving him a chance to run except one game against the Giants. But they lost to Seattle, and that was forgivable. They lost to Buffalo, unforgivable. And they lost a bad Arizona team, unforgivable. So, Trey, you're right. I mean, he's a quarterback. He takes the responsibility for it. He's had a down season this year. I think he can turn it around. But if you put him with Arian Foster and Andre Johnson, my God, you can't. The receivers for Carolina are terrible. The running back's terrible. The offensive line's terrible. The defense has gotten a lot better. But you get a new coach in there, you get Rivera out, or you move him to Houston, I think you'll see a different quarterback. But that's here or there. But the Texans are at home this weekend after Matt Schaub has been getting harassed for his last couple of performances. The Rams come in, Trey. Are you? Do you think this is a week the Texans bounce back and get back to 500? Or do you think uh, Sam Bradford's going to come in and steal one? Yeah, I mean, the Rams are a decent team, so it's possible. But I, I think they'll get back to it. I mean, they have too much talent on that team. And, and you know, whether they eventually replace you know, Schaub with Tyler Yates or whether they, um, you know, stick with him. I mean, you can't stick with Schaub too much longer, I think, if you're Texas, Texas, you know, because they have a legitimate ball club that can make the playoffs. So, I mean, I think this is the make-or-break week if I'm, a, if I'm you know, Kubiak uh, for benching Schaub. You know, Tyler Yates has, has been okay in years past, but you just can't have Shaw throwing you know pick sixes every week. Yeah, I mean sometimes when your confidence as a quarterback's down, there's nothing you can do. I, I mean I feel bad for the guy. He's very arrogant though, and that way I don't. But the Texans need a quarterback, or the Colts are going to run run away with this division. Excuse me. Um, the Colts will run away with this division. You look at Andrew Luck, what he's doing, Trey. We didn't give him a chance to win this division. We had Houston. Uh, are you going to change your pick real quick? Are you going to change your pick from Houston winning this division and you're going to put the Colts up? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, looking at where the season is and looking at how good the Colts' defense has been, I mean, that's not something that I was ready to, I guess, predict. I, mean, I thought that the Colts were still not there yet on defense, and I just thought, you know, that um, they were going to have problems stopping people. I mean, I knew a luck was going to be just as good as he was last year. Um, but, you know, Tarvin, look at that defense. They're just – they're really good, and they're being coached so well. I mean, I like the offensive schemes. Uh, obviously, the adding of Trent Richardson was something that you and I could not uh, foresee. 
so, you know, this is a more complete ball club now, uh, and I think, yeah, they're going to win this division. Yeah, it's going to be a good one, and I'm picking the Texans to win. Sounds like you're picking the Texans to win. Everybody in the chat room is picking the Texans to win. I'm trying to get a little static. Can you can you check if that's me or you? I'll check it online. I was me dropping my phone, buddy. Sorry. Hey, man, you you dropping the ball tonight? You dropping your phone? I mean, what's next? All right, here's a pick you can't well, I'm drop. I'm dropping some knowledge, Tarvin. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> the Redskins on the road, one and three. Going to Dallas, I mean, after that shootout with Denver, I mean, an emotional, gut-riching game. The two and three Cowboys host the Redskins. Uh, give us your thoughts on this game. Can RG3 come in and pull an upset? Because you have to admit, Dallas is not a huge home field advantage. No, I mean, it's not. And, you know, well, the one thing about Dallas that, that I have to worry about uh, is, you know, coming off such a gut-wrenching loss where, you know, they really had an opportunity to take down the best team in the NFL. So, you know, whether or not they can bounce back, you know, you have a, also a Cowboys team that I'm I'm pretty surprised, Tarvin, given that, you know, the fact that they traded for a really good cornerback and then they got a good cornerback in the draft a couple of years ago, that this team is struggling so much against the pass. So I, I don't know what it is, Tarvin. I don't know if it is, you know, a washed-up Monty Kiffin on defense and it schemes. They're not pressing when they should press and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I, I don't know what the, the deal with the with the Cowboys really is, but I don't see the Redskins as a team that can really stop Romo this, this week and Des Bryant and Jason Witten. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Cowboys at home, Tarvin. I think that, that Romo bounces back, and, and this becomes a shootout a little, a little bit. RG3 gets over 300 yards if you're an RG3 uh, owner in fantasy, and so does Romo. So I'll tell you the problem with the Cowboys. That's easy. Jerry Jones, and he doesn't have a coach with a ball with any balls. That's that's the two problems right there. And I mean, when you see your owner come out excited after a loss against Denver, that ought to tell you something. I mean, you and I can sit here and defend Tony Romo or or do anything we want, but your owner, the owner of that team, he should never be satisfied with a loss. I don't care what it is. You're the Dallas Cowboys. You have more star power on that team than anyone in the NFL, maybe besides the Niners or someone like that. But, Trey, this team should win every week. They have no accountability. They have no coaching. They have no toughness about them at all. There's no toughness to that Dallas team. But they're tough enough to beat Washington. Uh, Washington's struggling. They couldn't tackle you and I out there running the ball. So I'm going to pick Dallas at home over Washington, just because Washington's just not a very good team, Trey. I don't think they get it going this week. Yeah, I agree with you, Tarvin. I think offensively they're figuring out some stuff, but, again, another team with a lot of defensive issues. Yeah, and uh, see Paul Ewing's picking the Washington Redskins. Brian Burgess picking the Redskins as well, or he calls it the Deadskins. Um, looking at number three, this is an interesting game. I mean, this could easily be number one if you look at it. The Lions three and two going to Cleveland three and two. I don't know if Cleveland can win without their quarterback, Trey. Yeah, I mean, without Brian Hoyer, I mean, what's really I was talking to a Cleveland Browns fan today about this. And what really sucks for the Browns is you know, they, they started Hoyer over Whedon because they were clear that Brandon Whedon was not their starter um, overall, that he was a guy who um, was going to be basically somebody they were not ready to go forward with. So they start Hoyer because, you know, this guy's from New England, the backup, you know, Tom Brady at one point, 
And they're thinking, well, maybe maybe we'll get a chance to figure out over a full season whether we have to draft a quarterback in the first round. Well, now, Tarvin, he goes out hurt, and the Browns don't get to know that answer. And so, you know, that's what sucks to be a Browns fan because now uh, it's a catch-22. You know, they don't, you know, if they draft a quarterback, people said, well, you didn't give Hoyer a chance. He looked great. Um, but this team just has something about them, Tarvin. I mean, what do you think? I mean, they've won three games since trading away Trent Richardson. Well, that, that could be all they win now. I mean, the team, yeah, that's a great story, three wins. Uh, but now you have a problem at quarterback. And now Detroit comes in after a loss against Green Bay, and there's just too many weapons on this Lions team to not score some points. And I think that's the difference in this game. I think Cleveland has trouble scoring. Trent Richardson's not there anymore. They don't have a quarterback. Name a couple receivers on their team if you can. I mean, they have a good tight end, but that's about it. Cleveland's in trouble now. I think this fantasy, this fairy tale is coming to an end. I think Detroit ends it, and I think I think Cleveland hits a skid. I mean, they they start playing like the Cleveland that they should. Yeah, I mean, one of the, the X factors, and, and right now Calvin Johnson is day to day. But I got to tell you, the difference that he made for the Lions last week, or when he was not in, Tarvin. I mean, you know, Matthew Stafford looked like a different quarterback. He looked like a guy who didn't know where to throw the football without Calvin Johnson down the field. So I'll tell you what, Tarvin, if this, right now I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to pick the Lions. But if Calvin Johnson does not play, I think the Cleveland defense is able to frustrate Stafford and make him throw picks that they win on defense alone. So, I mean, that's my pick is going to be the Lions because I think Calvin Johnson plays. But if he doesn't play, Tarvin, I'm, I'm going to change my pick on game day to the Browns. Yeah, I hate picking against the Browns because they're one of those teams that'll they'll jump up and bite you. Detroit right now is a two and a half point favorite on the road. Calvin Johnson's questionable. I don't think he plays this week, honestly. I think Calvin sits out another week and if he doesn't, that could be that could be a good pick picking Cleveland because you're right, Stafford did look lost. And moving on to number two game. Green Bay Packers, 2-2, two and two, going to Baltimore. Trey, you and I were the only ones to pick Baltimore over Miami last week. That's one of the few games we got right. Uh, yeah. Baltimore looked good last week, but now they come back home. And, and Trey, I think the problem's going to be how are they going to outscore Aaron Rodgers in that offense. I think Green Bay can score on Baltimore. The only benefit is in Baltimore, but you know as well as I do, Baltimore's not a consistent team right now. They won last week, so what do you think is going to happen this week? Yeah, I mean, Baltimore is a different team at home. I mean, they, they're 2-0. and Ray Rice, they're starting to figure out Ray Rice a little bit better now. Um, he's getting more involved, which is a good thing. I mean, Torrey Smith is is becoming a legitimate number one. If you watch the Rams, excuse me, the Ravens, he's getting double team, triple teams. He's getting pressed. And he's still getting 100-yard receiving games. So, I mean, he's coming into his own as a premier type receiver. And that's what... Flacco needed. I mean, I think he's still missing that that possession type guy. So I think that's what hurts him. But I like what Green Bay is able to do. But here's the the stat, Carvin. Green Bay is two and zero at home, but zero and two on the road, and that worries me in this game. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Green Bay has trouble on the road, but maybe after that bye week, and after getting confidence last week against Detroit, maybe they they started to figure it out. I think the problem is is Aaron Rodgers, really. I don't think the team really likes him. I don't think the coach likes him. I don't think he likes anybody either. And I think when you're on the road, you need to be united and be a team. I mean, if Lacey can run the ball, and I think he will, 
it takes a lot of pressure off Rodgers, and I think he will run the ball. I think he'll get his 100 yards. He might get two scores this week against the Ravens. That's what it's going to take to beat him. Uh, I'm going to pick the Packers, Trey. I think it's going to be a close game, but I think Aaron Rodgers and that offense will outscore the Ravens. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, Tarvin. I mean, this is where I kind of want to disagree with you just because I think the Ravens are going to play this game very, very well being at home. But something tells me there's an X factor for the Packers right now after that win. Uh, I don't see them going, you know, winless on the road, and they're not that kind of terrible on the road. Uh, they do figure it out, Tarvin. I agree. It's gonna, I think it's going to be a very close game. Um, which I got to tell you, uh, somebody said in the chat room, Brian Burgess isn't Flacco elite this season like Eli, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, and you know, Flacco is definitely not having, I think, his contractual obligated year, Tarvin. What do you think? Uh, he's not. There's two quarterbacks. Now, you can look at my consistency on this show for these two quarterbacks, Flacco and Eli Manning. I think they've always sucked, and I think they always will. I never give them credit for anything. But, yeah, he's very elite. Good money. Money well spent, Baltimore. Good luck trying to get out of this deal. Uh, no, I mean, Flacco's the reason I'm picking the Packers. I mean, if I had to choose a quarterback, and it's all about the quarterback play. And so I'm going to pick Aaron Rodgers. I think most people are in the chat room. You're going to pick Baltimore, it sounds like. Sounds like you're trying to pull a, pull a knot so fast on me. No, I want to go with the Packers. I, just, I think it's going to be a very close game. But I think the Pack pulled off and they're close on the road. Well, here's a game, the number one game. And um, before we go, I just need to say something. I've given Geno Smith, I've, he's, I've given him a hard time ever since he was drafted, but I just want to say out here with everybody, hey, I like the kid now. I mean, he's playing great football. He's got a long way to go, but very, very impressed with him and the Jets. Just had to get that out there before we moved on just so I can eat a little crow about him. But the Saints, 5-0, and I didn't really see this coming. I knew they would probably win the division or come close. But 5-0 and Saints, after a big win at Chicago, Trey, can they go on the road to New England and beat a Patriots team that just hasn't looked good this year. I mean, they looked terrible last week, and now they're 4-1. and one. Can New England rebound at home, Trey? That's a big question. Yeah, I mean, there's New England who we, who now, I guess, Gronkowski may or may not play. This is one of those times where I think if he plays, you know, we may see a really different Tom Brady, but Tom Brady is not very good this year. Um, if you watch some of the decisions he's made, he's been just frustrated. He's forced a lot of passes, um, and he hasn't looked like Tom Brady of old. But then I look at, you know, I look at what, obviously, New Orleans is doing, Tarvin, and I agree with you. I am just eating a lot of crow on them, and I'm just really wishing how to pick them to win the division. But they have played much poorer on the road. And they're 2-0, and obviously, on the road, so they're undefeated. But they've played worse on the road. I mean, this is a team with an ginormous home-field advantage, yeah, this is one of those ones that I'm very up in the air about. I think if Gronkowski plays, we may actually see more in the realm of the old Patriots. Um, I guess, Tarvin, what do you think about it? Does you think Gronkowski is the X factor for the Patriots? He is. I mean, he, Tom Brady has to have someone to throw to. But let me let me talk about New Orleans. I mean, this is a defense that nobody's talking about. And I wanted to talk Sunday, you know, when we didn't have our show, and talk about the Saints' defense, how good it is, and how it helps so much. I mean, they're five and zero. I mean, they can score points. Everybody knows Drew Brees and Jimmy Graham, amazing Darren Sproles. But this defense is underrated. 
that's the problem. It's hard to pick against the Saints right now because they can actually tackle. They can actually make plays on defense. And, Trey, it's hard to imagine that New England's offense has gotten better, even with Gronkowski enough to to outscore the Saints. The Patriots are a three-point favorite in this game, and that makes me scratch my head a little bit. And it makes me want to pick New England because maybe they know something about a matchup that we don't know. But it looks like to me Gronkowski is the X factor trade. That's why New England's favored. Without Gronkowski, I think they're a three point underdog, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're asking you know, what they know something we don't. I think what they know is that he's probably going to play. Uh, and if he plays, you know, again, this is where I may change it on game day if he's out. But I'm going with the Patriots right now, and it's because I believe that we haven't seen Gronkowski. I think the Saints are going to have problems matching up with him. Obviously, I think the Patriots have problems matching up with Graham. Uh, but what, what I saw from the Saints last week and I've seen from them is a team that, that really can be beat. They do have some, I think, areas that, I say a player like Gronkowski and, and a team like the Patriots and Belichick's defense can exploit. And if anybody can frustrate what Drew Brees is doing, Tarvin, I think it has to be Belichick. Well, you got to remember New England, who is it? Will Fork's missing on the New England. He's out for the season, I believe, with an injury. Big part of that defensive line for New England. And you're right, Belichick, we'll have him ready. And, God, I want to pick New Orleans so bad, my brain's in here telling me, look, how's New England going to get better and actually score? Who are they going to throw to? You know, but the New England, the Saints' defense is what makes me want to pick the Saints. It's not their offense. I know they're going to score points, but it's that – that ability to, to make teams turn the ball over and to stop people. But I'm going to pick with you, Trey. I'm going to go with New England in this game at home. They have to bounce back. I just don't see them losing two in a row right now, and the Saints have to lose sometime. So it wouldn't surprise me, though, guys, if New Orleans takes care of business. They're that good. And let's look in the chat room. Cuervo is on the show. He's picking New Orleans to win. Brian Burgess, big Saints fans, picking them. Sonia's picking the Saints. I think Paul Ewing's pitch, picking the Saints as well. So, Trey, I think we're alone. Paul's picking the Patriots. So, us three are the only ones picking the Patriots right now. Well, you know, that's, that's all right, Torben. We've won some games doing that. So, we'll have to see, man. But this is definitely going to be the premier game of the week, I think. There's a lot of people who are going to want to know. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of undefeated went down last week, Torben. That's not something we talked about. But, three, you know, we had three, um, two or three, I can't remember if it was two or three now off the top of my head, but unbeaten go down. So it wouldn't be surprising if the Saints went down this week. Well, I'm, there's an upset possibly brewing in the NFL nobody's talking about this week. You know, Denver's only a 26-and-a-half-point favorite, Trey, over Jacksonville. Any chance Jacksonville comes into Denver and pulls the miracle off? Well, I mean, if somehow the team bus going, you know, from Denver, <laughs> they're all on the same bus, um, you know, happens to, to get in some tragic accident. Yeah, yeah, there's a chance, Darwin. Well, I need to give Sonia some information on her fantasy team that they're talking about playing Peyton Manning for only a half this week, for only a half. So I just want to let her know that. So maybe she she benches Peyton Manning, Trey, and doesn't get all those points because she's kicking everybody's butt right now in fantasy football because Peyton Manning's outscoring entire teams, just by the way. Yeah, I mean, that he is. So, Tarvin, let me ask you, do you regret trading Peyton Manning away? Well, I mean, who did I get in return? I don't know, man, your team. I think I got Tom – no, who was it? Tom Adrian Brady, Peterson. Yeah, Tom Brady. 
Tom Brady, maybe? Yeah. Bet. I think it was Adrian Peterson I got and somebody else for Peyton. I gave up two. So it was a good trade at the time. But you have to remember, Manning's not going to be around forever. And so, yes, I regret it, Trey. Dang it. Yes. Yes, I regret <laughs> it. Yes, I, I, I you know what I also too. regret is getting rid of Russell Wilson in the off season too. It looks like that wasn't a good decision. But let's move over real quick. And just one question before we go: the Giants, did they get a win this week and get their first win of the week? Uh, remind me who they play again. I don't. I don't think they play. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Although I thought it was, I don't think they do. Now that I'm thinking about it, I was trying to think. Yeah, they play the Bears Thursday night on the road nope. in Chicago. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. I don't think nope. so either. I think Chicago maybe bounces back a little bit. Well, let's move on to college football. That's what we love best. That's what we do best. Trey, Jadavion Clowney in the news, co-coach Furrier before the game. You know, he's not playing. He's in pain. What are your thoughts on that real quick? Well, you know, I guess my my thoughts are this: you know, you you have um, if a player's hurt, you don't want him to play. We'll we'll start off with that. So if he's hurt and he's you know telling um, his coach that he's not able to play, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, but you know, if what's coming out is he's okay, he's been medically cleared to play, and he basically does not want to play against an inferior opponent because he's trying to make sure he's healthy for the draft. I think that's a huge foul, Tarvin, and that really bothers me. Well, the problem I have is, like Spurrier, you could tell he was very aggravated in his first interview he did, and all of a sudden he comes out kissing Cloudy's butt. But let me tell you, there's a chain of command you use. The player doesn't tell the coach. The coach doesn't look at the player without clothes on, really, and say, hey, what's going on? He knows the information from the trainer, a doctor, someone tells the coach that Clowney will not be playing. It seems like to me that this guy cannot handle the spotlight. After that Michigan hit in the bowl game, it's, I mean, everybody's telling the kid he's the best in the world, he's going to be drafted number one overall. And, Trey, I don't think the kid can handle success. What is he, going to, what is he telling an NFL owner right now by doing what he's doing? First, he can't play through pain. B, he can't communicate. C, he's not a leader. I mean, there's so many things that Clowney's killing himself on. Trey, I don't even think he's a top five pick now. I mean, he'll be lucky. I mean, depending on how the season. He has done nothing so far this year. And, look, there's some players you can't keep out of a ball game. And him with an injury that Spurrier didn't even know about, Trey, that's the problem to me. I don't think he's as hurt as he's letting on. I just don't think. I didn't think he wanted to play against Kentucky. That's really the honest truth. Well, I mean, you could be 100% right, and that's the one thing we don't know is whether he just didn't want to play. And if he doesn't want to play, he's a cancer for that team. Because I, I think South Carolina is not – I mean, I heard one commentator talking about this on ESPN and saying, well, it doesn't matter because South Carolina isn't a team that can win the SEC. Well, how ridiculous is that comment? I mean, Tarvin, you know, do we really think Georgia's going to run the table now with all these injuries? And I don't. I mean, I, I don't think it's improbable or impossible – that South Carolina can still win the SEC possibly and make the SEC championship game. Or, so I just think that you know, if you have a guy who's not all in for the season, no matter what how good he may be, I just think that you can play with that guy. Yeah, I mean, look, they, they beat Kentucky by seven points. 
I mean, that, they needed Clowney. They need him in that game. Even if he's hurt a little bit, he needs to be out there. Just his presence puts it in quarterbacks' minds. And Spurrier, look, I look at the initial reaction of people. That's what, where you get the truth at. And Spurrier gave his initial reaction. And when I looked at his reaction, it was, I'm so mad right now. I'm about to kick this kid out. And he even said, look, if Clowney decides he wants to play, let him. This guy has a scholarship. He's getting a free education. He committed to South Carolina to play football. And that's what he's supposed to be doing, not deciding when he plays and when he doesn't play. If I'm an NFL owner, I don't come near the guy. First of all, I mean, he has one hit, Trey. He has one hit in his career. I mean, and he picked up the fumble. Great. But what do you do when things aren't going good? How do you react? This guy has handled everything he's he's handled wrong. I I really think he he has. I mean, first rounder, my butt. That's what I'm going to say. You don't want him. You're not going to spend that kind of money, Trey. When you have quarterbacks and running backs that you see and receivers out there right now, do you waste a top pick on this guy when you get guaranteed quarterbacks almost this day and age? Yeah, I mean, you know, here, do I think that, that Clowney is hurting his, you know, overall draft stock? And, you know, there's no there's no draft board right now for people, so he's not up and down a board. But uh, do I think that, you know, when, when scouts are coming around, they're evaluating him, and they're seeing these kind of issues, I mean, do you really want to give, you know, the most money that you're going to give in a draft, you know, banking on a player, you know, playing who has trouble with motivation because, you know, Tarvin, that, that's one of those things. There's a lot of guys, and if you remember, you know, Albert Hainsworth, who signed huge contracts and apparently had all the talent in the world, but the guy couldn't be motivated, and I don't even know if he's in the NFL anymore. And, you know, so motivation is a big thing. Players with talent have to be motivated to stay in shape, to condition the off season to review film, to, you know, enhance their game, and, and ultimately play every single down on the field and give it their all. And, Tarvin, if he can't do that in college, I mean, what's to say he can do it in the pros? Yeah, I'm, I'm worried about the kid now, guys, honestly. Clowney, yeah, I mean, if I'm a man, it's like if you're a manager in business and you're hiring people, do you, do you look for someone with a background of being needy and, and being a diva and having to have all the attention but I'm telling you, Coach Spurrier is an honest person, and he can't hide the way – he can't hide it. Yeah, he was very, very upset with the way Clowney handled that. And I think if you're an NFL owner or anybody out there with a football IQ, you realize Clowney screwed up. And they're really he's being more damaged than good to this South Carolina team. So they, they're going to need him to really buy in and play for this year not look forward to the next year, I'm telling you, Trey, because South Carolina cannot win without him right now, and I don't know if they can win with him unless he changes his ways, because if you're a player on that team, Trey, if you're in that locker room with South Carolina, aren't you really upset right now that you went to battle and your your leader, your so-called leader, was sitting on the sidelines with a, a, a rib injury? Yeah, I mean, I think absolutely, Tarvin. You know, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think people are questioning that and are and are just wondering, you know, what's going through his head? Is he out, Is he with this team or not? That's a good question. That's that's the question that, that everybody wants to know. And and we're going to get started in our college football pick this week. And there's some games on here that we'll talk a lot about. There's some that we won't. But, Trey, let me go ahead and tell everybody out there, I do have a, a couple of looming upsets out here. And Jason Humphreys tried to guess all three of them, but he got zero. 
So these could be exciting. I know I'm going to get some head scratchers tonight, but uh, I missed my upsets last week when I picked I picked Mississippi State over LSU. Well, that looked good in the third quarter. And what was the other one I picked, Trey? Miami losing to Georgia Tech. That looked good, too, until late in the third quarter. So I was off. I'm not going to be off this week. I'm not going to pick these huge underdogs to to win. But there's some great, exciting games. And your number 10 game, Georgia Tech, a team that hasn't played defense in 10 years, on the road at BYU. Both teams are 3-2, and two, Trey. Uh, what intrigues you about this game? And before I get there, I just will say that, you know, I did nail one of my upsets that you knocked me for, Ball State over Virginia. The same. And, by the way, not only did I pick it on Wednesday, but you know, <laughs> me on, on Saturday, Tarvin, Kirk Herbstreit. So I'm just saying, Tarvin, you know, it wasn't like I went out, you know, all crazy. I mean, you know, college game day was, was copying my work. That's all I'm saying, Tarvin. Trey, Trey, Trey Ball State was favored in the game. No. <laughs> no. Come on, come on, man. Come on, man. Don't take credit for Ball State. I, I, just and just because Lou Holtz agreed with you. Hey, hey, before we get started, hey, hey, we got an exciting caller waiting to come in. And uh, before we, since we're getting started in college, before we get started, I want to bring Coach Led on real quick to talk to us, uh, really about that Georgia game. His thoughts on on the team last weekend. Coach Led, how's it going? Good to hear from. You. Doing well. How you guys doing tonight? Doing great. Doing great. Thanks for joining us tonight. And uh, I think you guys have a bye week this week, correct? Yes, sir. We do, we do, we do. So it's all about recruiting this week. Hey, it's about recruiting every day, isn't it? <laughs> oh, and the SEC, yes, it is. That's our bloodline. 24-7. Well, Coach... Uh, you didn't disappoint Saturday. Knoxville, my father-in-law and brother-in-law went to the game, and they just said that crowd was rocking the entire game. Tell us about your team, where they are right now, mentally, physically, going into this bye week. Well, your father-in-law was absolutely right. The atmosphere there Saturday was second to none. I mean, it was crazy. It was loud from kickoff to the end of the game. So, Ball Nation did not disappoint. Uh, very very tough loss. Uh, our guys play well, but that's the standard. That's the expectation to go out there and play hard every play, every snap, no matter what. That's a culture we're building. That's in our DNA right now. And we don't believe in more victories. So we're going to shelf this one, learn from it, and build on it. Right now the guys state of mind is South Carolina. We're going to use this bye week to uh, rest up. Develop some more of our younger guys who's been playing in and out. Give them some more individual work one on one, and uh, use some extra time to get ready for South Carolina, and uh, hopefully uh, do what we got to do next Saturday. Well, I mean, you look at the the first few games y'all played. The bye came at a perfect time, in my opinion. I mean, you went out. I know you lost the game. There's no moral victories, but when you lose a game like that. I mean, you, you feel bad, but you also realize you're an underdog in that game, but you were inches away from winning that game. In my opinion, Tennessee won that game on the field, and, and it was just an unfortunate play. You have a running back trying to make the most of something. You can't fault him for what happened, and I know the Tennessee fans are very supportive of, of him right now, giving him a lot of encouragement, but is Coach Jones right now, is he using this bye week to kind of say, okay, that first season's over, let's go into the second season and, 
and make a run because I do see a lot of momentum gained from that Georgia game, even though it was a loss. I mean, you have six games left on that schedule, I believe, and, and I, I, I just want to know Coach Jones' philosophy, your coaching staff's philosophy to these kids right now for these last six. Uh, right now we're still taking it uh, game by game. We did let the kids know at the beginning of the year. Once we hit the bye week, we get into the bulk of the SEC schedule, the, the meat of our schedule. So now we got to make sure we got all the guys healthy as possible because depth is a big issue when you hit the SEC schedule. And uh, sometimes it's not the best team, it's the healthiest team that wins. So we want to make sure we uh, these bumps and bruises get healed up got a few guys coming back who've been injured. So uh, our goal is to have all our bullets in the gun when we come next weekend ready to go. Well, how, how's your quarterback doing? Look, I, looked, I looked at him last week, and I really saw it's just like the light came on and started playing with confidence and started hitting those passes. Tell us what his mentality is right now. Uh, Worley, he, was, uh, he actually grew in our eyes. You can see him mature series by series uh, this past Saturday. He's getting better each each week. Uh, he had a, he had a great yesterday and had a great today. He approached it by week. He was actually in in the film room first thing Sunday morning, wanting to watch the uh, the Georgia game, and he's already broken down in South Carolina. So he's uh really taking the offense and becoming that 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 leader. So remember, this is his first year starting too. So this is only game six for him as well. So. Uh, He's really learning. He's really developing. He's really maturing. And uh, he actually had a very good game. We scored three out of the last four drives. He took us down and drove, and uh, we scored with the shortest drive being 75 yards. So he really, really handled the the pressure well, the game being aligned well, the crowd noise well. He handled all that well Saturday night. And we're just looking for him to propel to the second half of the season. Well, I'll tell you this, Coach. One thing I noticed last week, and, you know, I missed some of the Auburn game just because I was so into the Tennessee-Georgia game. I didn't even know what was going on anywhere else. But I love to see Coach Jones on that sideline and the entire coaching staff really coaching. I mean, you see it no matter what situation is going on, no matter what, I mean, who's up, who's down. I mean, Coach Jones is on that sideline, and he's coaching 100 miles per hour. And, after the game the other day, what was his message to the team? Uh, I know it was a hard message to give. I mean, you have a lot of disappointment, but there had to be some excitement. What did he say to those players to kind of keep them up? He, he basically said the atmosphere that we just played, and that's why you come to Tennessee. We had some some uh, big-time recruits in the, at the game and whatnot, so we made it a point to make a guy, this is why you come to Tennessee. He had 102,455 people at the game. This is why you come to Tennessee. Yes, it hurts, and, and make, don't don't hide the fact that it hurts. All right, because at, at the end of the day, you come to Tennessee to win. But it was a great atmosphere. We're learning how to win. We're learning how to play. So let's build on this, and, keep, and just keep this in the back of the mind. So when next week come, when we, when we come to Needle Stadium again, we have that sour taste in our mouth. And uh, he he made sure to touch some of the guys who are uh, like uh, Austin Howard who are. Uh, had to play at the very end of the game. It's, it's a game of inches. He, he, Austin Howard was trying to make a play, and he said that. We have, but we have always coached, don't extend the ball. That's one of Coach Jones' coaching points, don't extend the ball. And like you said, Coach Jones is always coaching 100 miles an hour. 
and he, he, he demands that from his whole coaching staff. As soon as he walked in Sunday morning, he was like, what could we could have did differently as coaches to make the outcome differently? He's always challenging the coaches, always challenging the staff, or what we could do differently, or what could we do better. How are we thinking outside the box? How are we developing our guys? How are your drills? Can it be better? Can it be different? Things like that. So we're building on this. This was uh, sometimes you learn more from a loss than you do a win, and I think this is one of those instances. I agree. Trey? Yeah, hey, Coach, congratulations on, on, on that game. I mean, really saw um, – I, I really saw progression. Tell me about how excited, I guess, or was the coaching staff excited to see some of your young players really take out what I thought was, was a, a significant step forward and not only the way they I seemed to read, uh, you know, what was going on in the field, but also how they handled, you know, diversity on the field. Well, we preached from uh, – from day one, finishing, playing all four quarters. No matter what the scoreboard says, we play our standard of football. No matter what's going on, we Coach Jones also has a, a motto: snap and clear. Every play you play it, you clear it out of your mind. Next snap. Every play has a life of its own. So each play is an individual life. So no matter what happened to play before or the quarter before, we play each the very next play like it's the only play that matters. And our guys are really uh, bought, in, bought into that, and they're really doing that. And you saw that this past Saturday. So that's where we're at with those guys as far as uh, our mentality. Yeah, so, Coach, I just, you know, Tarvin hit all the questions I, I had. I just, uh, you know, Coach, just want to get your comments overall on where you think uh, or how how you, how are you feeling right now in the coaching staff about, you know, where the team is and where they're going to go for the rest of the season. Well, we, we we had a team meet on Monday, and we said we're not going to let Georgia beat us twice. So we, we could do two, one or two things, either build from this victory or build from this loss and go for a victory next week or uh, pout and dwell on it and not get better in this bye week and let Georgia beat us twice. And right now, the way the, the team approached practice yesterday or today, I think we're going to build on this and learn from it and uh, hopefully hit the ground running next week in South Carolina. Now, that's our only focus and goal right now is to uh, beat South Carolina. Well, Coach, I mean, that's a great interview tonight. Man, I'm excited about the balls, and I'm excited about meeting you in person. Uh, what is it, November 9th, around that time, we'll be at Knoxville. Auburn will be coming, and I look forward to meeting you. But your Sonia wants to come on and tell you hello real quick. Hello. Okay. Hello, How nephew. How we doing? How we doing? Coach How's Lex. It going? <laughs> Great game. We were um, all Jason and I were so into it, and we were just rooting for you guys. I, I just hated to see the way it ended, but I've got to give the Vols credit. And I think I posted it on your wall, and I said, you know, welcome back. <laughs> you guys are on your way back. <laughs> I can see that. We, we we are we are coming back. Yes, we are. Uh, we laid in a couple more bricks on our foundation last night tonight, if you get my drift. So we got some great recruits coming in next year. We're doing a great job with the 2014 recruiting class and 2015 recruiting class. So Vol Nation, just keep being patient. <laughs> that, that, that We're slowly getting over the hump, and we will be back to the most elite program in college football. And we're, well, we're I'll say there. second. Just keep Okay. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> third, third. Yeah, y'all keep third. <laughs> you, guys, you guys did great. I just wanted to say hello. I've got to get the angry gopher to bed. He's had a long day, but I just wanted to say hello. Congrats. And um, hopefully we're still trying to get to uh, Tuscaloosa to see you guys. So check your, your messages. Your your aunt might have to, um, you know, beg some favors <laughs> if, I, if I can make that drive. But if not... I'll be watching right. on TV, and I will be on your Facebook wall, and I will be go volleying and all of that as long as you're not playing Bama. Good day. I appreciate you. <laughs> all right, love. Uh, Give everyone my uh, love. Thanks. It's the girl's story. Uh, uh, right, thanks, well. Sonia. Hey, Coach, I have one thing for you before you go. If, I'll just tell you, if I was in that replay booth on Saturday, if you had me personally, I would have just said let the play stand. The guy deserved it, just so you know that. So if you ever want me in a replay booth, just, just uh, talk to the right <laughs> people, okay? We we watch it on replay up in the press box. Coach Jones always says, "I to look up there," and we saw it, and we said, "That is the picture of game of inches right there. That epitomizes football as a game of inches." And we it really thought, uh, I mean, that, I mean, we felt for the kid because honestly, without him, we would not have been we been in the game. He had seventy yards passing, fifty yards rushing. He was a huge impact for keeping us in the game. He just wanted it so bad, but hey, that's why we love the game of football, right? We do, and that's it. But I appreciate you coming on, and I really appreciate watching you guys, what you're doing with the balls, and and like you said, I mean, the, I think the fans understand. And and coach, I just want to say real quick, when you look up, when you when you're not playing, you're not your wins and losses aren't out there as much. And when you look up in the stands and it's sold out and it's all orange out there, that's how you know those fans are behind you and they believe in you too. So all the fans that I know and speak with, they understand what's going on now and they are being patient because they see the results on the field and they understand that it could take a year or so to to get the players in and just get the philosophy down. But, Coach, congratulations, and we look forward to seeing what you guys do in the future. Yeah, thank you. Real quick, uh, we had a whole bunch of – supporter staff that's been around the program for 12, 15, 20 years, and they said this past year was the loudest they've had, they've had and they said they can remember. I mean, it was so loud. The next morning we went to pick up some recruits from the hotel, and we asked the parents how, how they feel, and they said one of, the co- one of the parents was like, my ears are still ringing from the game. It was <laughs> so, I, I mean, I, I can't I can't even put in words the atmosphere it was. It was so loud. It was so great. We had the best fans in the world. I mean, it was amazing. The atmosphere was great, and we love Ball Nation. And it's it's, a, it's an amazing place. It is, and it, it was when you can hear it on TV. You know, they filter it out, but when you can hear it very loud on TV, you know. Uh, I, thought, I called my father-in-law during the game, or no, he called me and just let me hear how loud it was over the phone. And man, I don't remember it that loud since the. Uh, the Cal game a few years ago when Cal came in a top ten team and Tennessee won. But congratulations on that, Coach. That's that's very very impressive to see the crowd get up like that because some some fan bases they only get excited when their team's on top all the time. But you guys are heading that way. Mm-hmm. I mean the the Vols are the really the reason the crowd is one of the big reasons you guys were in that game. So I think you'll start seeing that every game now because the crowd really realizes the impact they have on that team. Exactly. All right, Coach. Well, good luck. Enjoy this week. Recruit well and and rest, and we look forward to seeing you in the second half. All right, thank you. Have a good night, fellas. All right, you too. Thanks. Well, Trey, I mean, everything he said was 
was what I thought. I mean, congratulations to Tennessee this weekend. I think they are. I'm starting to buy into more of what they're trying to do. You could just tell it's Saturday. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, Tarvin. But um, you know, good talking to coaches always. But Tarvin, I want to. I want to get into these games. Are you ready? Well, there's a lot of them. We got to roll. Uh, Georgia Tech, BYU. I'm ready. Um, give us your pick on this one. You, are you going with BYU being at home? I don't think Georgia yeah. Tech's defense is that much better. Yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm going to go BYU at home. This is one of those games, I think, and you asked me what intrigued me earlier before we got on the coach. But it's just because, you know, Georgia Tech's playing this independent team. You know, it's sort of like an out-of-conference. BYU is a decent team. So, you know, I had to put it on there, you know, if you're playing, you know, something like this. So, but BYU wins at Tarvin. Uh, I don't. I'm not sure Georgia Tech's ready to go out to Utah and play well. Yeah, I'm. I'm going with BYU as well. Them being at home and they actually play defense, I think they'll be able to slow Georgia Tech down. And I think that Miami game took a lot out of Georgia Tech last week. So I'm looking at this game and I'm just thinking home field advantage. BYU, the Mormons get it done. And Trey, that takes us to number nine, Louisville. One of the only games they play this year. The number eight ranked Louisville Cardinal, five and zero, playing Rutgers, four and one. And if you remember, Rutgers' only loss was a, a blown lead, really, against Arkansas. Arkansas, or was it the opposite way around? Rutgers beat Arkansas, didn't they? Yeah, that's right. Rutgers Who did Rutgers Arkansas, lose to? Who did Rutgers lose to? Oh, top of my head here. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, but. Louisville's at home, and Trey, they're a big favorite in this game, and and I think for good reason they should be. But is a blowout win going to be impressive enough to move them up in the polls? I think Louisville's schedule is so bad that this could be as close as they get, maybe top five, close as they get to the one position. I mean, this is just a terrible schedule and a terrible matchup. Yeah, and Tarvin, I don't know if – we're going to bring on Humphrey at the end or, or now, but um, to talk about his you know, our, our pick 'em winner. But I got to tell you, Tarvin, I look at this game and I think if 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 Louisville's for real, this will not be an upset alert. But if this is one of those Louisville teams that we don't we don't uh, see that are very good, I think this could be an upset. You know, there's something in the water to the Thursday night games, Tarvin. So you know, this is one of those, will the real Louisville and Teddy Bridgewater please stand up? Because I think we're going to see it on Thursday, Tarvin. Yeah, Louisville wins this game by probably four touchdowns. I, I just don't think Rutgers can score a lot of points on these guys, and I don't think they can stop Louisville. So Louisville's a 19-point favorite for a reason. So I'm going to go with Louisville as well. And we're going to bring Jason on in just a few minutes. We're a little behind um uh, right now on our game, so we're going to let him pick his games at the end, or closer to the end. The next game, and and I'm ready to pull the trigger on this one right now, 18-ranked Michigan, 5-0, and going to Penn State, 3-2. and And let me tell you, when I say Michigan 5-0, and Trey, really what I mean is 3-2, and really, is what I want to say. Um, not impressive. The, the worst 5-0 and team out there, probably. On the road at Happy Valley, Penn State's not playing good football right now. Can Penn State pull off the upset, and will they pull off the upset? Yeah, and here's the thing, Carmen. I have this, as you know, when you said you have three big upsets, I had this in the list of things, of games that I thought you'd pull the trigger on. So, Carmen, am I wrong? Are you pulling the trigger on an upset here? I definitely am. I'm picking Penn State to win this game. Michigan, guys, I'm not sold on them. I mean, I've watched them and watched them. I can't figure out why they're so bad. 
Gardner's not playing well. Uh, this team doesn't look like a well-coached team. They don't look athletic at all. I'm going to say Penn State at home. I think they, they can win this game. I look at the coaches. I'm just favoring Penn State in this. And this is not really one of my upsets that I'm even thinking about, Trey, but I'm picking Penn State. Wow, so it's not on your, your three list. But, hey, you know, that's a good pick. I really think that, that it's a possible upset game. But I, I look at Penn State, and I don't see a lot of depth there. They're missing a lot of players, a lot of important positions. I, I think that Michigan's going to be sloppy in this game. I agree with you. They're not a very good 5-0 and team. But I think they're gonna they're gonna stumble upon a win here as well. Happy Valley just isn't uh, doesn't host the talent that they've had in years past. This is not last year with that miracle sort of team rallying around each other. I think Michigan wins a close one, Tarvin. All right, Paul picks Michigan. Jason picks Michigan. Hey, Brian's picking Michigan. Cuervo, I just wonder if he's picking with me. I don't see his. No, he's pick. No, he didn't pick. So look, Penn State. Is not not a better team than Michigan. I wouldn't say that, but they're at home, and both of them are terrible. So I'm going to pick Penn State, and I'm going to stick to it, Trey. I feel good about it. And the next game, and I don't know if this is an upset for you, the 19th-ranked Northwestern Wildcats lost a heartbreaker last week. Now they go on the road to Wisconsin, and this is homecoming for 3-2 and two Wisconsin, Trey. Can they rebound from an emotional loss like that? That's the big key. I don't think they can. Yeah, I agree with you, Tarwin. I got I got whiskey winning this over Northwestern because, you know, Northwestern is just one of those teams that coming off what had to be their Super Bowl last year, their national championship excuse me, last week, facing Ohio State and having the shot to knock them off and not doing it, I think they're gonna have a problem refocusing Tarvin and let's not let's be honest, Camp Randall Stadium and the whole stomping and jumping around as teams enter this is a team that Wisconsin's ready to beat somebody ranked. They're not a great team, but they're not exactly supposed to be three and two. This is really a team that I look at at four and one after getting robbed down in Arizona State. <laughs> so I got whiskey winning too, Tarvin. And whiskey wins. Trey, this may surprise you, but I have Wisconsin winning by three or four touchdowns in this game. Uh, it's just a bad matchup. Uh, on the road against a very physical, physical Wisconsin team that can run the ball and, you know, being beat up already, being out of gas and emotionally spent. I think this has blowout written all over it. So if you're out there looking for that game to put on a parlay, take Wisconsin and give 10 points because it's a, it's a lock. I mean, this is a blowout trade. So don't, I'm not, I'm not saying it's a close win. I'm saying Wisconsin blows them out. And so the next game, interesting game, and this could be upset alert, Trey. This could be one of my upsets. Number 14, South Carolina um, with Clowney. You never know how he's going to be. I'm not sold on this team anymore. I have my doubts. On the road at Arkansas, a team that I've eaten crow on and I've said, hey, they're getting a lot better. I see the progression. Arkansas is at home this week, Trey, and it's a 12-20 kickoff, a noon kickoff. What do you think? Yeah, I think this kid, I mean, I put this on the list this high because I think that, you know, South Carolina is kind of in that position uh, to get upset. You know, you, all the things are going on, you know, Connor Shaw issues, Jadavion Clowney and all his drama. And I and I go, well, man, is Arkansas really ready for uh, to, to lose a game? You know, this is a, an Arkansas team who, you know, has been up and down this season. They have a phenomenal freshman in Alex Collins, but that's really – about all they have. I mean, this is a team that's that showing improvement, 
Um, but, I, you know, I'm not really ready to pick them in the upset, Tarvin. I think the Razorbacks, who are un, who haven't won an SEC game, aren't going to win it here at home. I think they play this game very tough, Tarvin, but I think South Carolina pulls it out. I agree with you. I, I think this is going to be kind of like the Central Florida game uh, on the road, early kickoff. But I think at the end of the day, South Carolina has too much depth and talent to lose this game. Arkansas is getting better, but I can see them going winless almost in the SEC. That's how bad they are. Yeah, or, or excuse me, that's how far away they are in the SEC. They're they're getting better. I see what's happening, um, but you're right. They have one weapon only, and being at home is going to help them a little bit. If this was a night game, I'd be, you know, more likely to pull the trigger. But I don't know. I like South Carolina in a five field goal. Very close game, closer than the experts think. But Paul Ewing is picking Arkansas, says they won't drop three in a row. Um, Brian Burgess picking South Carolina. Cuervo says go Cats. I don't know who who the Cats are, but uh, Cuervo's picking South Carolina. I'm sorry. He said Cats. He must have been confused. But, Trey, I'm with you, man. South Carolina in a close game. And this is a game, the next one, number five game. This has upset all over it. Texas A&M, 4-1, number nine in the country, on the road at Ole Miss, 3-2. Ole Miss, they look terrible against Alabama for an entire game. They looked bad against Auburn until Auburn gave them a couple of turnovers and got them back in it. The question is, Trey, can Ole Miss pull this upset off? And if they do pull it off, will it have to be with a quarterback other than Bo Wallace? Well, you know, I'll be honest, I don't have an answer for the Bo Wallace situation as poor as he's played. And really is, you know, he should play a lot better. Um but I disagree with you, Tarvin. I think A and M. You know, Ole Miss is not a home field advantage. I've, I've been there. I don't know if, if if you know our listeners have been to Ole Miss. It's a small. It's probably the smallest SEC stadium. Um, it's not as loud as other places that Manziel and A and M have played. Uh, so I just think that they're going to go in there. They're going to handle their business. A and M is going to win this game. Not so fast, my friend. Ole Miss will not lose three in a row. This is a team that. That is getting back home. They have talent. I mean, you watch the Auburn game, and by the way, Auburn won. I was right. Y'all were wrong. So, Auburn was fortunate that Ole Miss dropped some passes the other night. I think at home, I think they regroup. They get it together. And here's the deal. Texas A&M couldn't stop a sneeze. I mean, that's the problem I have with them. If they were in College Station, no way I would pick Ole Miss. But they're on the road in Oxford, where it's not a home field advantage like other crowds in the SEC, Trey. I really think they're good enough. Kandichi's a beast on that line. I think they have talent on defense. I think the home field, they'll use it to get some stands. I think Ole Miss in a shootout gets past A&M, something like 48 to 45. So is that the first upset special, Tarvin? Yep. All right, so we got one of three. Uh, well, Tarvin, we'll see, buddy. I just, I, I'm going to have to say that I don't see that one on you. Um, is it possible? Sure. I just think that they're going to be too well coached for this uh, to lose to Ole Miss. So, Kevin, I'll move us on uh, to the Red River, Red River rivalry. Number 12, Oklahoma, 5-0, and looking pretty good, Tarvin. Uh, playing Texas in Dallas. And Texas, as we know, is struggling. Mac Brown facing new challenges every day. Is, is this it for Mac Brown, Tarvin? Uh, 
it's been it, man. They lost the other night to Iowa State, and I think I talked to Paul about that too, and everybody we've talked about, they got robbed, and Texas got the victory. And, look, Oklahoma was going to beat the brakes off of Texas, and it's happened the last few years, I believe. They just cannot match up with Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma will destroy Texas, just like Cuervo said. It's not even going to be a game, Trey. And after this embarrassment, this one, Mac Brown, I mean, I don't know if you can fire him during the middle of the season. I mean, USC can. But can Texas pull the plug on this guy? Because, look, Trey, they still have to play Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor, the best team in the Big 12 that's going to put 100 on them if they want to. I just think this is the end for him. Oklahoma embarrasses them, and you can't lose to Oklahoma and keep your job. Yeah, I think whether you know, I don't, I don't see a firing in the middle of the season, Tarvin. I do see, uh, you know, a joint statement saying that Mac Brown will will step down at the end of the year, something like those lines. And I think we'll see after this game, Tarvin. Oklahoma will will blast Texas. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> Mac Brown's a joke. Trey, did you think they got robbed? Iowa State got robbed. Was it Thursday night? Yeah, yeah, I thought I, I did. Yeah, I believe, and this is my opinion, guys. If you miss a call like that, and the replay doesn't turn it over, you ought to be put in prison for ten years minimum, just for being stupid. We don't want you on the on the streets, crooked, corrupt, whatever you are. Stupid is all the same thing to me. Put them in jail, trade, lock them up, throw away the key. But on to the next game. Um, Missouri, the number three game. I know why you have it here. I smell you picking an upset in this one, Trey. The number 25 Missouri Tigers, 5-0, and ranked 25, goes into Athens. You know, Athens with a lot of injuries right now. Georgia, number seven in the country, Trey. Am I right in thinking you have an upset? Well, Trevor, I'm going to let you pick this one first. I'll put it that way. Okay, I have a Cujo running around in the background wanting to make noise right now, but go ahead, Trey. All right, so, Tarvin, here's what I'm saying over this, and I see Paul saying Missouri over UGA. I have Jason saying uh, UGA at home. I have uh, Brian Burgess saying Missouri over UGA. I look at this game as the same way that Maryland came in, they got themselves ranked, and then Florida State destroyed them. I think we're going to see something similar with UGA. Yeah, I know they have injuries. Yeah, I know that um, this is not going to be a blowout. I'm not saying it is. But this is not a Missouri team who's good enough to be a top-10 team in Georgia, even with all these injuries and Aaron Murray, Tarvin. I look at this as Missouri comes in here, a lot of people pick them to win, and Georgia wins this ballgame. Yeah, look, here's the deal. Georgia at home, and they got their scare. They actually got their scare trade last week against Tennessee, and I just don't think it's going to happen again. Missouri, they're 5-0. and They beat Vanderbilt. That's the toughest competition they've had this year. So I'm just not sold on a 5-0 and Missouri team going into Athens and winning. Aaron Murray's too much, and I, I don't know. Is Gurley going to be back? Yeah, I mean, he's questionable. Uh, but if he's back, obviously, man, I think they, they, bl- they blow out Missouri. But even without him targeting, I think they win this game. All right. Paul saying Gurley is doubtful. And Rick's listing Gurley as doubtful. And you know what? I'm going to list Rick as doubtful, too. But they're going to get the win. Georgia's going to win. But there's a long season, a lot of season left. 
you know, before we can just crown Georgia right now. I'm worried about them on defense. I'm worried about them on the receiver. And Gurley's going to – can he stay healthy once he comes back? That's another question. But, Trey, I'm with you. And I think everybody besides Paul's picking Georgia right now. And the number two game – and uh, how many upsets have I given you? I think Penn State was one of my upsets. I think I've given you two so far. Okay. The Penn State was one of them. you given me two, Darvin. Okay, I'm thinking there's one that's on here that's not even on this list. That maybe that's what I was thinking about. And I'll, I'll put it on the website. But Florida, number 17, ranked in the country, four and one. They've been playing better since Driscoll went out on the road at LSU, a five and one. Look, LSU to me, Trey, and I'll just say it now. They're playing better football than anybody in the country. I mean, these guys are phenomenal. They can move the ball. Their defense does concern me a little bit, but being at home. In a 3:30 kickoff, I think their defense will get some motivation in this game, and I think they'll beat the Gators. I don't even think it's going to be close. Yeah, no, I, I disagree. I think it's going to be very close. I mean, I think you know, and and Florida's defense is going to do something special in this game. You you have Florida, who's ranked sixth against the pass and second against the rush. Um, that that's pretty darn good, Tarvin. I mean, this is a team that's playing really, 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 really good defense. Uh, the Tigers. Or ninety, excuse me, sixty fifth against the rush. So Florida's going to have some opportunities to, to establish the running game, and then get their passing game going later. The problem is LSU is kind of talented against the pass at thirty second. Tarman, uh, I look at this game and I see that you know the passing offense of Florida is still struggling, but I think they're struggling less with Driscoll. I, I see a close game, but LSU wins it close, and the reason is they're at home. But I think Florida's going to make this game real interesting. Yeah, Les Miles for Coach of the Year if they run the table. Uh, I don't know about Coach of the Year. We'll have to see what else plays out. But, I mean, certainly I think he'll get a – he should. Get, he always gets less credit than he deserves. Yeah, I don't think it'll be – when I say a blowout in the SEC, I think a, a 10-point game is almost a blowout in a way. But I think it's going to be about a 13-point game. I think LSU is going to put up a touchdown late to go up by two scores. This offense is good, but, hey, Florida's defense is the best in the country. It's not even close second. I mean, Florida's number one. It's going to be a great game to watch. I wonder how Mettenberger's going to do against a a scheme like Muschamp's going to put on him. And, hey, Florida has athletes on offense. They've struggled, but that quarterback's better. I think they can – they have a puncher's chance in this game because of their defense, Trey. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a very good game to watch, but I do have to pick the LSU Tigers in this one, and – that takes us to the number one game, and I'm about to get Jason on real quick. I forgot about him. Oregon, the number two team in the country in the polls, number one in my polls, really at Washington, four and one. Trey, can Washington, like you said, there is their mind in the game? I mean, after that loss last week, they're still talking about it, and now Oregon comes into town. The best thing about it is they're playing at home in this game. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, Tarman. I, I actually wanted – uh, when I, even after the game was over last week, and I, and I watched the Stanford uh, Washington game, I thought, man, I may take Washington this week. I mean, I, I really liked what I saw from them, and, and I thought, well, maybe they, they could actually really intrigue me against you know Oregon. And they have the number three in the nation pass defense. I was like, well, you know, if they can stop Oregon's run, this, this game is Oregon gets real, real, real interesting, real fast, but. Seeing the way they are festering on the Stanford game, Tarvin, I, I really question whether or not they're going to be ready for the schemes 
that Oregon is going to throw at them. And I, I just worry where their mindset is. They're still, you know, you're going to drop a loss and a win the next day. And that, it just worries me about Washington, Carvin. I mean, do you think I'm wrong on that? Uh-uh. No, and I don't care where it's being played. You're not going to stop Oregon. That's that's the problem I have with it. Washington's a good football team. I mean, they're a good football team. But Oregon is a great football team. And there's a difference when you're playing a team that makes you stay mentally and physically into it every play. And that's, that's where Washington is. It's mentally right now. They're going to slip up, and they're going to get behind in this game, something like 14 to nothing right off the bat. And I don't think they have the mental toughness right now after that Stanford game to be able to – to hold them off. I think Oregon wins this game by four touchdowns. And I think they pour it on. They're going to make a statement in this game right here, and they're going to send a message to Stanford. I mean, the way Stanford's playing right now and the way Oregon's playing, that's the best matchup of the year coming up with those two teams. But I don't think Oregon slips up in this game. I think they take care of business like they have every other game this year. Washington's a good opponent, and I think that's why the line's only 14, Trey. Usually it's it's a lot more, but I think – Vegas is scared to raise that line up much just because if Washington does play well, they're capable of upsetting an Oregon team with their talent. Yeah, I mean, I think, like I said, I really wanted to pick the upset in this one, Harvin. I really I really thought that Washington was going to match up pretty well against Oregon, um, you know, strength on strength. But looking at the way things have gone down this week, you know, a team like Washington has to be entirely focused. They have to have a precise game plan. They have to execute it perfectly through coaching and, and being well prepared for what Oregon is going to have because Oregon is that it's extremely talented. I don't think they're there. I think they're they're too bitter about the loss. There's been too many comments about it from last week. I just don't think they're ready for an upset for this kind of stage. I think Oregon wins. Uh, and I think the point spread at 14 is about right. I could see it getting a little bit a little bit worse. Well, I want to bring on our champion. You know, Jason Humphrey is, I mean, he's he's like the, the best picker on the board right now. He's hot. Jason, welcome to the show. Go Ducks. Calling Jason Humphrey, are you there? Well, Trey, we've lost Jason Humphrey. Are you, do you hear me? Yeah, I hear you just fine, buddy. All right. Well, for some reason, Jason not working right now so Jason you're going to have to come on on Sunday night and then go over this game in detail with us and I couldn't get it let me try one more time he is the champion so I got to give him one more chance Jason are you there no Jason Trey I don't know what's wrong with him but he he does put a video up and he does a preview of the Oregon Ducks games and a and a review after the game, so y'all check that out. Trey, he's hot, man. He if anybody's picking college football, it's him. He's he's going nine and one, ten and zero every week. Yeah, I mean he's been he's been on our on our heels, Tarvin. He's been been getting us, so uh it's time to take him down though. I think this week you and I are gonna do it. And uh, I wanna go ahead and send uh Paul Ewing a box of Kleenex this week because He's going to have to watch the Gators lose, and he's going to have to watch Johnny Manziel lose. And I don't know, is he going to be on suicide watch after this week? <laughs> well, uh, he may be, maybe, maybe, maybe. But I don't think Manziel's going to lose, so I think he'll be okay. Well, Trey, big kudos to your Florida State Seminoles this past weekend. They beat Maryland, what was it, 80 to nothing. They were ranked. 
Uh, Florida State looks good, but while I'm hearing some rumblings a little bit, Jimbo Fisher's not very happy with Florida State, and the reason is, Trey, I just want to throw this out there, uh, the funding at Florida State, they don't have much money around there right now. Remember, Florida State was a girls' school for a long time, and um, he's looking to go somewhere else. Does that shock you? Uh, would it shock me if Jimbo left? No. Uh, but I haven't heard those rumblings about money. I mean, they always are trying to volley to get better money uh, for facilities at Florida State. Um, so, I mean, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they're trying to get more money, absolutely. But I will say, Tarvin, since the history of the AP poll in the 1936 or 37, no team who has been ranked has been beaten by that kind of score. So, you know, Florida State put it up good, Tarvin, and get good outcome, and, you know, they only put their starters for three quarters. So, Well, I want to ask you something, Trey, before we go real quick. Auburn this year, are you impressed with what they've done so far? Uh, what are they, 4-1? and one. They were 3-9 and nine last year. Give us your thoughts real quick, and how do you see them ending up? Yeah, I, I'm actually uh, – I'm, I'm not ready to jump on the bandwagon yet, Tarvin, but I'm, I'm on the bumper. I think uh, I was very impressed with the win at Ole Miss, or the win against Ole Miss, excuse me. I, I'm a little surprised that they're not ranked. Uh, I thought that number 25 or so was about right for them after that win. Being 4-1, and one, they've played – you know, pretty well. I understand they haven't hit some of the tougher teams in their uh, in their schedule, but you know, I think uh, you got to recognize the, the fact that they progressed really well. Uh, I think they're a better ball club than Missouri, and we'll see that after this week. Tarvin, I think Missouri's going to get blasted, um, and we'll see. You know, Auburn, I think, plays some junior college this week, so Auburn will be five and one, and I think we'll see them break the top t- top twenty five well, next week. Well, I think the reason they weren't in the top 25, and I think it's because the the pollsters look on that schedule and they see Texas A&M next week in in College Station. And I think if they could somehow miracle, pull a miracle out and went on the road there, I think then they'll get their credit. But no need to put them in right now and then take them right back out. So I'm kind of glad where they are. I want them to stay unranked until they play A&M because, I mean, if you look at that, that's just a bad matchup. But it's going to be a high-scoring game. But I'm very impressed with what they've done. I mean, the kids are fighting. They're not there yet, trust me. They're an eight-win team. I think they're, like I said before the season, eight and four. And seven and five, eight and four, they still have Tennessee and Arkansas on the road. I think those are winnable games. And they have two out-of-conference games. So if you you take those games like that, that's eight wins. If they could somehow beat A&M, Georgia, or Bama by some miracle, then that could be a nine win. So you never know, Trey. I mean, it looks better. I'll say, I'll put it that way. They look a lot better this year than last year. That's all you can do your first year as a coach to get your team better, kind of like Tennessee. They're just getting better every week. So, Trey, yeah, great well, I'll tell you, I'll, Yeah, I'll tell I'm you sorry, this, go ahead. Uh, They will be ranked next week. Uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't tell you that I will bet on things, but Auburn, Auburn was 26th in the AP in voting this past week. Uh, and with Missouri losing to Georgia, which they will do, Auburn will jump to number 25 next week. Uh, so they're ranked when they play Texas A&M, and it will be a ranked a ranked matchup. Uh, that's my prediction, Tarvin. Yeah, I'm just hoping it's not a night game. It's CBS game. Or maybe I want it to be on the SEC network because I, don't, I might not want to see the nation to see Auburn's defense against Johnny Manziel. <laughs> you might not like what you see with Manziel, but – uh, I think they'll be ranked when they do it. <laughs> yeah, if they put up 40 on Bama, what do you think they'll do on Auburn? So, 
Auburn's defense is trying to get better. You can't judge them if they get blown out by Texas A&M. That's just a bad matchup. And real quick, Trey, in baseball, you're right. The Cardinals, 6-1 to one over the Pirates right now. The Red Sox beat the Rays and the Braves, man. They choked it away two nights ago. They had it in the bag. Trey, do you think Kimbrell should have come in in the eighth inning to try to get a two-inning fake? No, I don't. Not not with the fact that they still had a game left to play. If it was game if it was game five, yeah, I would agree with you. Um that, you know, maybe Kimbrell should have come in, but I don't I don't question it. I, I told you, you know, I thought the Braves were not built um for that kind of run this year. They just didn't have it. Uh this was a team that banked on home runs, Tarvin, they hit one home run in the postseason, that's it. Uh so I mean, you know, teams that have to to have to have the long ball to have offense will get cold in the playoffs if they face a little pitching, and that's what happened. So, you know, Tarvin, 3-0 and so far with the Cardinals winning tonight on all the series. And if the A's win uh, tomorrow night, I believe their game is tomorrow night, then that will be 4-0 in uh, the division series, Tarvin. So we, we shall see uh, if I get there. Well, maybe you can. I think I, I can't remember what I picked. I know I picked the Braves to win, and that was a homer pick, by the way. Um just, I think I did. I, I did pick the Braves, and I want Jason Humphrey yeah. to come on next week and or Sunday night when we talk and ask him about those classless Dodgers fans that we encountered. So, Trey, great show tonight. Congratulations to Jason Humphrey for winning the Pick'em and the Dodgers, his team, for winning uh, the division right there. So, Trey, Sunday night we have a huge show lined up. Don't miss this one, guys, and we apologize for missing last Sunday night. But, hey, if I'd have missed my anniversary, Trey, I might not be here tonight. So, had to take care of business there. So great job. Uh, thanks, everybody, for calling in, and we'll see you Sunday night. In the eyes of Ranger, the unsuspecting.